everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. All right. Oh, Mark, you're there too. I didn't think Mark was there. Awesome. Have, good to have you, my buddy. Um, hey, everyone. Very, very cool to be with you today. I am so pleased to have Jake with me. And I'm not going to butcher his last name. I'm going to let him pronounce it first and, and then let, uh, let, you, let, let us go from there in a second. But before we do that, a couple logistics. One, I want to thank, as always, Mark who's in the background, we say behind the glass. Um, he's shy, so he won't show his webcam. And Areeb. Um, Areeb helped get Jake ready for the webinar. He's so amazing. Got to know them. He's going to actually handle the screen and, and go through their amazing website, Instagram page, so on as we talk. And Areeb, thank you for that. And then lastly, for you as an audience, ask some questions. And do it through the little Q&A box. Or if you really want us to have you talk and give your question live, just raise your hand in the little attendee box. Mark will be looking for that. And he'll acknowledge and, and please do that for us. One last thing. If you are hearing me all right, because I usually have the worst um, audio, put a one in the box right now in the little question box if you're hearing and seeing my webcam on. So, with no further ado, Jake, welcome. Tell us a little bit about you and your family. Pronounce your na your last name correctly for me. And uh, and I see here it talks about Jake, Gianna, Luna, and Capri. And actually, if you guys remember on the lead page that we had for these guys, I don't think the youngest one there, and maybe that's Capri, was born yet. So oh. uh, we. I think uh, that Gianna was pregnant, and she actually was even uh, pretty obviously yeah. close yeah. to being ready to deliver. So, so Jake, uh, tell us about you guys a little bit. Last name is Bukowski, for everyone out there. Bukowski. Um, I am 32, almost 33 years old. My beautiful wife, Gianna, is uh, just turned 32, and we have two amazing children, Luna and Capri. And uh, like Wayne mentioned, Capri most likely wasn't born in the uh, kind of the trailers and leading up to this. She's uh, five, and a half, five and a half months um, and just the light of our lives, super happy and a bus baby. She was in the bus uh, driving around seven days after birth. So she knows no other realm. Very cool. Um, so tell us how you made this decision to become, I'll call you, um, er, I'll call you wandering, wandering population. You know, there's, there'd be lots of names. I think you probably even have a best, better name for what you call yourself. By the way, yeah. here's a picture, everybody, of their bus that Jake, I'm sure, will describe what he's done. And you can see how it looked previously now. That, by the way, your, your unit is smaller than the folks that were here with us before, Jake. They were probably... What, what, what's your total length of your unit? About 30 feet total. We're, we're 30 feet in total. They were 40, I know, in theirs. So, um, yeah. 
So anyway, what what prompted your decision and, and how long ago was that? Give us a little of that history. Of course, yeah. So I was working in the uh, I was working in the hospitality industry, um, running restaurants and hotels. Gianna had a career in real estate. Um, we had just bought a house. We were having a baby. Um, pretty much the American dream, you know, like everything seemed so wonderful. Um, about a year into it, we both had this this urge and this angst to to uproot ourselves. We weren't. We, this wasn't like our our end goal. For so many people, I feel like that's their dream is to have the house, have that. And and when we got to that precipice, we were kind of disappointed. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. Um, so Gianna kind of began looking at just alternative lifestyles and what what would resonate with us. And we kept stumbling upon van life, um, which was our first endeavor before our school bus. Um, back in 2018, we had purchased a Mercedes Sprinter van um, where there's a bunch of pictures on our Instagram. If you scroll down of our our uh, our Sprinter van and we traveled the, the country for a solid year and the, uh, about a year and three months and then found out we were pregnant and um, decided that we wanted to upgrade and get something a little bigger, a little roomier and really make it for a family of four versus a family of three. And that's when we stumbled upon a school bus on eBay, um, bought it three days later after seeing it, drove it home from Miami. And uh, we've just been on this amazing journey to, to help people, inspire them to, to live their best lives, to follow whatever dreams they have, whether it's living on the road or um, skydiving or owning a business or just taking that leap because um, you miss all the free throw shots you don't take. So we took that leap and I have to say, I've never been happier the, the payoff is phenomenal and just, you know, happy to, happy to share it with the world. Awesome. Um, again, you probably said it and I missed it, by the way, I'm a little distracted. My, uh, my retriever just walked in and, and uh, he's one of my joys of my life. And he, he actually was having in a nice way, the trots this morning, a little bit too runny of a stool. And uh, my wife probably just let him in. And I usually close the door to my studio. I'm actually going to go do that because I don't want to be distracted by him. But could you tell us again where where was home yeah. physically before you made the uh, transition here? Uh, so home is actually where we are now in Sarasota, um, Southwest Florida, just below Tampa. Um, this is kind of our our roots. My parents have a home here, and, and like I was showing Wayne, we have uh, some huge upgrades coming for our bus, and we wanted to get them delivered to a safe location. Um, so we came down from the New York area, made our way kind of zigzagging all across the East Coast here and uh, ended up here for our big, uh, our big package upgrade. By the way, everybody, I, I could ask Gianna and Jake hours and hours of questions, Jake here right now alone. But so I'm going to probably be all over the map, Jake. Don't worry about some continuity of the questions that I have. You please bring up anything else you want to talk about that you think is important too. And then audience, please, you guys ask some questions. So either Areeb or Mark, I'm not going to be looking at them. And I would ask that maybe Jake doesn't look too. We both sort of keep concentrating on talking to each other. But you guys ask questions if the audience has them. Um, what, um, where have you been so far? So once you you got yeah. the bus and you got out on the road. Where have you been able to go? Um, well, 
with the bus, we've kind of been, I, I don't want to say handicapped by what's going on, of course, because we live this lifestyle to go on an adventure, but we've been all up and down the, the eastern seaboard pretty much right now. Um, we have big plans once our uh, our big packages upgrade uh, batteries. So we're getting lithium batteries, which is like night and day game changer for, for living on the road. Um, and we're going to head out west again. We, we really like the the culture out west, the amount of free land uh, that our government gives us, and we really, we really like the vibe out there. And for me, the whole scenery is just breathtaking, phenomenal. Growing up on the East Coast, uh, I didn't realize what was over the continental divide. So for me and Gianna too, it's just been such a world of uh, just experiencing new things, and new cultures, and new foods, and um, we've been all over except I think, uh, I think we've been to like 32 states. Uh, and Luna has been a part of all those, and Capri's just starting her trek out, so she's uh, she's putting some miles under her belt. Um, we're looking at the Sprinter here now, and and having various different views. How customized was that when you bought it? So how much work did you have to do? It's it's beautiful, by the way. I, I hope everybody everybody's seen something like, and I have. I've had I have multiple friends that have Sprinters. They're a lot less. Um, stylish, I'm trying to think of a nice word here for them, not not for you, than yours is. Um, most of them have multiple dogs, so they've got to leave places for them. And and anyway, but was yours somewhat remodeled, or what did you do to the Sprinter? No, the Sprinter, if you scroll all the way down, I think it's our, our first or second picture on here, we were a blank slate. Um, we bought this Sprinter from a, a rider leasing, uh, like trucking company, and it was used to deliver seafood in Florida. Um, it was originally from Ohio. It had 113,000 miles on it. And we had no idea what the hell we were getting ourselves into um, when we bought that. So it was a complete ground up, um, just a, a whirlwind build, I guess you could say. We did a lot of the roughing work. Um, and then Gianna's uncle, who's a master woodworker up in New York, he helped us with all the cabinetry uh, and getting the inside what it looks like. The the guts and everything like that um, was just a, a labor of love. We had a, a little help down in Florida with that too. So it's, it's really the community. I mean, it's people coming together and offering advice and even their time or extra materials they have. Um, it was, uh, it's there's nothing like building a, a, a home on the road. Like there's nothing like it. I mean, if you want an adventure and you want to test your marriage, I would highly recommend that you build a, a Sprinter, a bus, or some sort of other overland vehicle. Did it have any mechanical issues? No, when we purchased it, um, it was pretty good. I have a uh, like a code reader I bought off of eBay. It's a like a scan tool diagnostic, and I would definitely recommend anybody who's looking to get a van, uh, a Mercedes van, purchase one of these. And we were able to go through um, and look at all the fault codes, see when they were cleared, see kind of what everything you know, was going on. So it was, uh, they had three sprinters on the lot and the one that we chose had the, the least mechanical issues. Um, I think the only thing it needed was a, uh, an exhaust sensor. So once you get up post like 2010 with these sprinters, there's a lot of exhaust, um, rules and things that happened and, and regulations. So, um, I'd say that's their big handicap is the, the exhaust system. But once you get it dialed in, uh, it's pretty awesome. And diesel or gas? Diesel, yeah, diesel about 16 miles to the gallon. So 
so yeah, you, you make money on it when you sold it. I did. Yeah, I did. I sold it. Um, we sold it to a woman out West in Washington, uh, about a, a 50 year old semi-retired woman. Um, and that was, we had about four or five serious bites and three of which fit that demographic, which was wild to me. I couldn't believe that there was this kind of like, um, you know, slightly younger baby boomerish generation of single women who wanted to do van life. It was, a uh, it was kind of an eye-opener, really. Have you kept up with her? Uh, yeah, we stay in contact with her. She's uh, she's had a few health issues, but she, she wanted to sell it at one point, but um, she's holding on to it, and she hopes everything's going to be better. And, uh, yeah, we, we love to, to see it. We love to look at it. That was our first home. We actually thought about, at one point, if she still owns it, purchasing it back in the next couple of years. Um, we want to eventually homestead, and we want to have a vehicle to – to take trips with um and that was just the, the perfect rig uh you know for for weekend trips and everything like that to live in the bus is much more spacious by the way i may ask some questions that you just don't want to answer please feel free not to as, oh, a, as a as a fairly veteran interviewer i learned that if you don't ask it you'll never know so please feel free to say no but approximately what did you put into it dollar wise do you think and what did you pay for it from Ryder? And then again, you said you made money. I don't, don't, let's not talk about that part, but about I'm, what were your costs? I'm, I'm open kind of with the, the finance aspect and everything like that. I want everyone to kind of be transparent and see what this, this lifestyle is like. So um, we purchased the, the van um, for $19,000 and uh, my total upfit cost was probably probably a solid like 40 grand when it was all said and done with all the components. And I was new to at, at, you know, sourcing materials and putting things together. So I definitely probably took a hit. Um, my second go around with the build, I was much more sharp and um, kept a much tighter log and, and really had a lot more connections to, um, to find the best product. So I think we were all in probably about 55, 57, and we're talking labor, nuts and bolts, you know, the whole nine sweat equity. Um, and we sold it for 77000 So um, very happy with, you know, I was able to pay off uh, a lot of debt we had. And that was a main reason for living this lifestyle was to kind of lessen our, our footprint uh, economically, too, because we, we did have debt. We had the house. We had cars. We had, you know, we had, we had a bunch of stuff that we didn't use. And it was, it was kind of boring. Now I like having everything in my house. I got to hunt for water, places to sleep. I feel like it's a, a modern Oregon trail type thing. Cool. Um, so um, how much did you value your, your own labor? So whatever labor that you didn't have to pay for, yours, Gianna's, and such, um, as you did that build. So Power. if you put that into the equation, you know, kind of what, was it, what was it worth? Yeah, you're probably talking another, I don't know, we put about – 300 hours into it ourselves i'd say and then her uncle put another probably 200 in, in all the woodworking that he, he taught me so much but my skill set was nowhere near his so it was kind of like hey you know you scoot over i'm going to tackle this part and uh you can watch and learn but we uh i mean there's there's probably a solid another you know fifteen thousand dollars in in actual sweat and labor that we did on our own and we did everything yeah by the way, I, this is unrelated to the cost, but isn't art, isn't photography interesting? This picture that's up there right now, 
those doors, it looks like one of the doors is wide enough to close the whole back end, you know? It's just the perspective of it, the way that it's, the picture's yeah. taken and such. Um, so, um, gosh, I'm so happy you're willing to be so transparent about the cost because, again, other people are, are looking at this and thinking about it. Again, I'll just tell you, you did an amazing job with it. Um, okay. How self-sufficient was it let's say on the road. I think I see a, maybe see a smaller generator. I do. I see a, a probably a 2K generator there in the back. Right. Um, it doesn't didn't look like you had any solar panels on it. How, how long could you be off grid comfortably with that? That one for a family of three, we had 300 watts of solar on the roof. We carried the backup generator, which mostly ran the air conditioning. Um, the hot water ran, you know, we could turn the engine on and use our DC to DC charger. Comfortably, our, our big Achilles heel in that build that I didn't foresee was fresh water. We only had about 24 gallons of fresh water, um, which if uh, you know anybody who's living this lifestyle, doing anything, that's that's chunk change, unless you're a single person living very minimally. Um, we could do about three days, three and a half days, fully off grid. That's no hookups, just the sun and our, our diesel engine in the, the van. Um, in the bus, I can do a week to 10 days, 100 gallons of water, 400 amp hours of lithium, uh, 960 watts of solar. The only thing that's plugged into the inverter is our outlets. So we never have our, uh, our inverter on unless we're charging cell phones or anything that takes a 120. Our fridge is 12 volt. We really honed our, our stuff down in the second build with the bus and wanted to be like, you know, boom, 12 volt fridge, 12 volt AC, everything's 12 volt to, to really save on the power. So the bus is a fully functioning 100% 10 day off grid. I mean, longer if you're obviously not showering and uh, being very minimal with like dishwashing, we cook three square meals a day. So believe it or not, washing dishes is the largest source of burning water. Um, showers are quick and easy. You know, we have a, a low flow shower head too. And obviously you you know, you drink water, but you're not drinking you know, 20 gallons a day or anything like that. Um, so washing dishes really burns you. So yeah, I, I'd be comfortable saying that up to, up to 13 days, probably a fortnight. Yeah. And with that said, um, gray water, black water storage, how much do you have uh, in, the, in the bus? Yeah, in the bus. So we went with uh, 55 gallons of gray water and zero black water, uh, zero black tank. We went with a couple of, we had, oh, very cool. We had the black tank in the van and we learned super quickly that that's kind of an inconvenience, to be honest with you. Um, the creature comforts are there. It's nice to sit down, porcelain flush, you know, you feel right at home. Um, but only having like a nine gallon black tank is, is really detrimental also. Um, most of the time we leave our gray tank open because it's just our uh, sink water or shower water. And we use uh, like a Dr. Bronner's type uh, Castile soap. It's not bad for the environment. So I, I mean I don't I think I've had to dump gray like twice maybe um, with, when we've been in like more urban areas and we keep that that gray valve closed. On um, tell me about the, the compost toilet. Does it have any odors? Was there a learning curve with it? How much did it cost? And if you can tell us the brand because yeah, there are people out there I know that would love to. So the, the most popular brand that everybody probably knows of when they, when they hear composting toilet is a nature's head. 
Um, we did some research on that. They're close to $1,000 in price, and we uh, we did a comparison shop with a brand called the C Head, like C as in the uh, numerical, uh, or the, the letter. Um, and we like it. It's very simple. It's very rudimentary. There's definitely a learning curve to it. The, the right amount of um, composting material and the, the type of composting material really matters, um, at least in our application. Um, Odor-wise, if you let it build up for, you know, 10 days or you're having like, you know, maybe the trots like your dog or something, um, you're going to want to empty it out a little more. But I'd say we get a, a solid week to it. It's very simple. You pop it off, um, dump it into a plastic bag or, you know, uh, if you're in an area where it's uh, okay to, to spread the compost, then you go ahead and do that. Uh, we're using red cedar chips uh, and we actually put our coffee grounds in there too. Um, and that kind of helps helps cut down on the odor, but it's uh, you know there's definitely a learning curve. Uh, it has an an outlet or an accessory to pipe in the uh, the urine to the gray tank. Um, I probably should have done that, but I had already tiled and done everything. Hindsight's 2020, so it has like about a gallon jug um, you know of the the urine, and you're able to just dump that you know, pretty much in places, parks, bathrooms, yeah. not parks in bathrooms, in parks, uh, things like that. So we, we normally empty that about once a night. And do you have a separate maybe air exchange system in the bathroom that's helping it all with maybe whatever odor there might be? Absolutely. So we have, um, we have our, our vent fan um, that we put that on, and the window is always cracked in there. We have a bathroom window. And then um, we have a secondary USB fan. Um, that we just have in there for, for circulation on maybe a hotter day or if it's had uh, a bit of usage. But it has a, a sealed um, kind of stopper that goes on the top. So you remove that before you use the number one or the two. And that has a really good rubber seal. And uh, I think it, it prevents odor pretty well. I, I'm pleased with it. I give it, a, I give it a 9 out of 10 in terms of functionality and um stylish too it fits in nice to our decor i mean if you look at some of those pictures on our bathroom it doesn't look like a clunky camping you know composting toilet it has a really nice aesthetic to it also we try to find some of those and then stop on them when we get to them um by the way very very close to my heart right now i have a uh, a 40 foot 1992 um Georgie Boy Motorhome, Class A, that I'm in the final stages of remodeling. And nice. literally all that's left is the shower and the toilet. And right now, I do have a Blackwater tank that, and I have a, a traditional toilet. I want to replace it for the composting and then get rid of it. I'll just leave the Blackwater tank. Honestly, I just, there's no reason to even take it out. This thing's got masses of storage <laughs> which which is probably what you really you've heard from the from uh from the motorhome perspective but um and i'm going to talk about storage with you in a minute uh, but but anyway i i really i'm glad to hear about the c i've i've looked at them but i haven't priced anything and obviously the natural is the, is the one everybody uses or a lot of, not everybody lots of people use they're so, about um I think they're about seven high seven, seven ninety five, seven eighty five. I think somewhere in that ballpark. But the the nature head, you're almost looking at a thousand dollars when it's said and done. So there is a right. they're they're both upper echelons of of you know composting price wise. But um, 
I think it's worth it. I really do. I, I was so skeptical in the van, went back and forth, and I was like, there's no way a black tank is is going to be grosser than a composting toilet. You go in a bucket, but I'm, I'm a changed man, 100%. Oh, I, I'll tell you, and, and we've, you know, we've traveled a lot. We've had RVs for 30 years, and we do use them a lot and use them in an outdoor environment where we're having to, you know, dump. Uh, yeah. And frankly, it's that black water that's the only issue because you can dump gray water anywhere. I mean, the fact is, honestly, folks, you know, from my perspective where I come from, it's good for the environment to be dumping. And some places it's not legal. You want to be careful to follow the regulations. But the reality is, most places, it's going to be very beneficial to be dumping your gray water. So, 100%. Yeah. Um, we have a, a Four Seasons, year old now, 24-foot, complete six-inch walls. This, is, this thing's amazing. That we saw right away um, that our big limitation for off-road was going to be water. So we have a 90-gallon freshwater tank. We have a 60-gallon gray water. And this one is the one that I'm going to convert. I'm also going to convert it to compost. That motorhome is a different one that we're in the middle of working on. But um, we've camped in this thing at 20 below zero and wow. not – and we have, oh, we also have – we have three a little under 300K of solar. Let's talk about your solar now. 960k. Um, do you have any pictures of that in the Instagram here that Marie could find? Because I mean, there, there's there are three uh three 320 watt panels, so you have 960 watts. Okay, you're 960 watt. Well, no, no, that's right though. Um, but so they're each they're each 320 watt panels, correct? Yeah, yeah. from Renogy. They're great. My panels. I have three. I have three. They're each. They're rated at 100 each. Reality is they're 85 probably. So 85 times three. So we're in the you know 265 range rather than 300, which is what they would they would market them as. Yep. And we can stay off grid just like you for about two weeks for yeah. our electrical. If if there's any, and we have some. We have. Two lithium-ion batteries right now. We do not have. We could have up to four. Nice. Um, how many? How many lithium-ions are you going to have when you're when you get a refurb? I actually just installed them this morning. That was the the package I was waiting on. Uh, we used Dakota Lithium. They had 11-year warranties on them. Just really, it's about good products and good customer service in this industry. I mean, if you can find those two in a company, then boom. And uh, we definitely found that with uh, Dakota Lithium. So I'm super excited having AGMs. You can definitely just watch your power drain, and uh, I'm super excited for this lithium application and, and to, to be able to, to really fully harness my my off grid capabilities. And your inverter is what size? Uh, three thousand watts. Three thousand. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she charge converters. What what do you? I have two sixty amp uh, charge controllers for my solar setup, and then we also okay. do. Uh, an 18 amp hour uh, DC to DC Victron charger. Um, so when the diesel engine is running, it's putting out about 18 amps to the batteries just to kind of 
keep them topped off, keep everything nice and, and flooded. Do you have LP also? Yeah, I do. So um, that runs my, my gas range and oven, uh, our point of use water heater, and that is our, uh, our furnace as well, is all LP. So I have a 20-gallon tank horizontal mounted under the, uh, the vehicle. Um, quick, quick heating, right? So essentially, uh, gosh, now my brain's going dead. There's an, I, we have them in our house, and I'm not thinking of what they're called now. Um, low volume, that's, that's coming to mind, but, um, the point of use of the furnace. No, for our, for our water heat. Oh um, yeah. The, just our, a point of use Insta hot, you know, pretty much is, is, uh, it's a company called Excel. Um, and it's a, a 5.5 gallon per minute, just super simple, super basic design. And it works great. And if you were living in the unit not not taking into account your gas to move from place to place but at a single location um for a two-week period let's say and you weren't paying land use we're going to get to that because i think a lot of people who try to live as 24 7 rv years 365 at the front end don't think about what they have to pay when they go into places where they can hook up and such, those, those numbers can get up there. But let's assume you're off grid entirely. What would either daily or a two week kind of cost be to, to including um, your, for your utility, your utility cost? Uh, I think I'm about, depending on the price of propane, um, I'm generally about $47 for a full fill up to 55. Um, and then if I'm not running the furnace, if I have the furnace on, you know, 12 hours a day, that'll eat up my propane pretty good. But I would say if I'm at a lo location parked for two weeks, um, I could, I could get away with, uh, I mean, no, I wouldn't need any hookup. I'd need a full tank of propane and that's really it. So 50 bucks maybe, um, as long as I have water, which I'm very good at sourcing water for free. I am very, very good at sourcing water for free. There's a few tricks out on the road. Um, and like you said, people realize the cost you incur from RV parks and, and all, these, um, all these little monetary things that, that keep popping up throughout the way. So if you design your rig to be off-grid, you're not going to spend money at the RV park. You're not going to have to plug in. You're not going to have to pull a generator out. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think that these RVs, when they first buy them, they're going to be perfect. They're going to be living out in the middle of nowhere. And in reality, they go and they burn their batteries out in one night because the, the RVs just don't have the power. They're designed to be in an RV park. You have to either design your vehicle yourself to be off-grid or have the dealership put in the you know, appropriate things for that. And uh, I think a lot of people have a common misconception about the ease of, of living on the road. Um, if you don't have the right products, like you said, I mean, I can be, during Christmas, we were off-grid for about a week from Christmas Eve till um, that that Friday, that Thursday afterwards, we were completely off grid. We started, uh, you know, 100 gallons of water, a full tank of propane, and I had plenty of propane left. I didn't have to run the heat too much and just the food in our fridge. I mean, that's our main expenses, diesel fuel, diesel fuel and food. To, to operate our, our utilities, if you will, is next to nothing a month. I mean, pennies. And let's go to air conditioning. 
middle of the summer, you know, it's a warm day and you want your air conditioning running, you're not driving. Well, yeah. That's a pretty good electrical. Will your, will your solar system maintain that or, or will you have to have an exterior source for we know, do not a real hot day? Uh, a traditional air conditioner, uh, we have what's called like a swamp cooler, which works wonderful in um, not very climate. So that's a 12-volt system. At its full blast max operation, it draws about 8 amps. I'm going to interrupt real quickly. Arif, go back to slides. That show. Oh, by the way. Oh, no. Go to the one there. There was the solar collectors. So you just had. No, you're going the wrong way, buddy. Um, I think. We saw the solar collectors. You went back too far, I think, Arif. So go forward again some. It's, um, it's a video. Yeah, it's a video, so it's, I cannot run it. It's running on cell. Stop there. There we go. No, no. One more, One back. One now. Two back now, Reeve. I want to show the compost toilet. Oh, yeah. And this is a video. This is a video. So oh, that's can... a video. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, that compost toilet did look very nice, Jake. That was very much fit your decor. There's the solar panels, everybody, um, uh, on the roof. So, so really, you just have a swamp cooler for yeah. for your unit. Yeah, and we have the um, uh, Max Air Fan as well. Um, that helps draw in a lot of air, but we we perpetually chase good weather in essence, or the theory of good weather. It's supposed to be good weather in Florida in the winter time. You know, today not so much, but you know, we we follow that sixty to seventy kind of um, you know train. If it dips down into the forties and things like that, but I grew up in Florida. I know what it's like to be hot. It's not fun. Um, so we we kind of follow that that nice weather. I'll be up in Montana in August. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, please come through Colorado. We Beautiful love here where we're at. And you, you need to come by. It's right on your way to Montana. You're coming to Florida. So. We spent about six weeks in Colorado in the uh, Denver to Loveland to Colorado Springs area, kind of all up and down that 25 corridor. But we're, we're about an hour north of downtown Denver. We're in the foothills. Look at our website. Areve will give you the links and such. You'll see how beautiful it is. But we're only an hour from DIA. We're only an hour from from uh, downtown Denver. We're right in between Loveland and Fort and, and Longmont, if, if you remember where that might have been. Fort we um, uh, Collins, just a little further north. But yeah, we, uh, so now let's go to uh, the risk of buying that van. Uh, uh, excuse me, buying that bus. There was a lot more of that, I assume, of maybe not getting what you hoped for. Than there was buying the van, right? Oh, um, cool bus. <laughs> so that was um. We had originally wanted another van. We we liked the Mercedes platform. The Sprinter was great. We were going to continue um, living van life, just doing it as a family of four. And um, this was right around when when COVID was really starting to have a big uptick uh, around April, uh, late March, April of uh, of 2019. And uh, we were going to be working with a dealership out in California, and we, we had kind of, you know, really put some great things in place. We were going to do some advertising for them in return for a, a, like a monthly stipend with the van. It was, it was all going to be great. It was this beautiful, picturesque thing. And then their advertising budget was froze due to COVID, and we were like, you know, kind of, we, we had cash in hand from the van sale, um, but we, we didn't know what to do with it. And we started just working on eBay, just different vehicles, just obscure things. And 
the first uh, school bus we looked at is the one we purchased. Um, so we, we went back to it and it was a, um, it's turned out to be quite a gem. And what's really cool is it's a, it's a Freightliner bus also, which our, our van was a Freightliner. Mercedes um, makes them, but they're badged under Freightliner. So we get, we got this second Freightliner and it's been nothing but a dream. I mean, I've had knock on wood, no mechanical issues. The engine is strong. I had all the maintenance records, no rust. Um, and it was a handicapped bus, so it was built on this huge full-frame chassis, um, but they just kind of chopped it right at the back. So you have all the benefits of a giant big rig, um, suspension, airbags, huge powerful diesel motor, everything is industrial. Um, you know, it's meant to, we bought it with 200,000 miles. So it, it's it's going to run for another 300,000 easy. What do you think will be the first major mechanical, you might say? Um, I talked to a gentleman who, uh, who works in a bus garage in New York and he's very familiar with these. And he says that some of the, the diesel injector, um, like ports, um, he said they vibrate, yeah. break off, but not a terrible fix. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at PM maintenance. So, um, hopefully we're going to take it into a, a truck center here before we, uh, we leave Florida and kind of get everything flushed out and, and ready to go for out West. Cause out West, you guys have dust and it's just a whole nother ball game driving out there. A, a little, a little more detail on the engine, yeah. uh, either cubic inches or CCs and, and it's age. It is a, uh, a, two, uh, 2005. So not that old, 15 years. It's a Mercedes M906. Uh, it's a 6.4 liter twin turbo uh, industrial, same motor you would find in uh, a lot of Freightliner big rig trucks. So about 280 horsepower, I think it has. Um, and then it's geared really well. So being that it was in um, kind of like the valleys and uh, mountains in California, it was in the, the central coast. Um, it's geared so well. So it's governed at 63 miles an hour on a flat straightaway. But if you're climbing uphill, you have plenty of power to go. I don't ever have to throw on my hazards, you know, the 40 mile an hour trucks that are climbing and stuff. I'm able to, um, to, to be at about 50 miles an hour while climbing um, with a 21,000 pound vehicle is pretty cool. Miles per gallon? I get about six to seven to eight. I'd say six to eight, and that's all depending on terrain, um, stop and go, and uh, and altitude also. And so two hundred two hundred five, it's got injectors. It's it's all it's very computerized, right? It's not old enough that it would be a oh. lot of of non-computerized turbo, right? Double turbo, twin turbo, correct? Double turbo. Um, I have multiple um, large diesel engines and all the way from loaders to an excavator to, I mean, huge, down to Ford F450 trucks, Ford 3F, I'm a Ford guy, so I have 350s. I have the whole range from the 7.3s, which were the amazing engine that they made back in the late 90s and into the early 2000s. I have the really bad six O's that they made from 03 to 07 and the middle of 07. And then, and then the six seven, which had a bad reputation and, and actually has gotten a little worse even. Um, to where I have now a 150 with a EcoBoost 3.7 that gets 23 miles a gallon. 
Nice. Um, 500 horsepower, 500, over 500 um, pounds of torque. And yet I get 22 miles to the gallon. So I've gone through the gamut. My biggest problem with the diesel, and I've put, with you put them all together, you know, way over a million miles over the last 20 years, has been injector related. Yeah. But not usually the injectors, it's been the electronics. So it's the EGR system that, that, that deals with their timing. Um, and I, you know, it's all electrical. So you can't do anything with it yourself. You've got to take it in to, to somebody. And I mean, it's, you just drop five grand every time you think of it. Um, what I haven't had, and I'm curious because we haven't talked about it. You didn't say, is it auto or, or uh, manual transmission? It's an automatic. It's an Allison transmission. Um, five speed. Wow. But the alley transmission, that'll be bulletproof. It's, um, it's, it's a rig. Yeah. Yeah, really is. All access up under the hood because of what it looks like or anything through anything through the interior everything through the hood everything hood, and it has no wheel wells um so it being a handicapped bus we had a flat floor too so we didn't have to deal with any wheel wells in our build yeah how That's about it. insulation how much did you have to add um we added we used wool insulation, so we were we're, we're pretty eco friendly, and we obviously want to be low tox with two babies. We want to like keep them as low tox as possible, so we didn't want to go with any um, you know pyrethrins from the spray foam or, or anything like that. Um, the propellant, all that stuff is just terrible. So we went with natural Havelock wool, which you see there, Gianna installing. No PPE required. The babies were playing with us while we were doing it. Um, we probably put in a solid, I think it was like six bundles of their of their wool i'm not sure the exact uh like you know cubic foot on the on what it was but there's a, a solid three inches of wool all around that bus sides floor and roof i wish i could have known you and i would have given you alpaca which oh, that, way better than the wool even for a whole bunch of reasons uh, it's our value non-flammable at all under any circumstances that's an advantage of alpaca but we could go into a lot of that next time you want to do something on the uh, insulation side i'll uh, make yeah. sure we we hook you up with a, with a bunch of alpaca absolutely uh, so we, we call it fleet by the way so um so what about storage yeah. and you know again you got three women there it's only two of them right now that are really an issue but there's going to be three coming up, um, and they got to store some stuff. You know, they got to have wardrobes. They got to have some of this kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> Tell us about that. In the, uh, the back of the bus in our garage, um, we have a dedicated space that has hanging clothes. So things we don't wear that often. Gianna has dresses. We have some heavier coats. Um, I keep a suit for some reason in case I ever need one, I guess. I don't know. Um, but those are kind of our hanging clothes. And then Gianna's really awesome about minimizing. We have our overhead storage um, behind our, like above our bed where we sleep. And that's where we keep our clothes. I'm pretty minimal. I got a pair of jeans, three pairs of shorts and t-shirts, underwear and socks. Um, she obviously has her, her girl stuff, but a lot of the uh, interior cabinets and things have her shampoos and makeups. Um, the girls have the toy bins underneath their, um, the benches um, that doubles as their toy bin and their all their clothes are in there. Um, so quite a bit of space in there. 
um, quite a, a bit of space. And we're able to fit everything in there. Um, we also have the side garage access where we keep um, tools and all my you know little things I can't park. Um, we also have an access hatch, so we keep our dirty laundry down there. Um, and there's a hatch from our bed that you just kind of lift up and you're able to put all your dirty laundry in there. So it slides down the chute right in the laundry basket. And then we open the side door at the laundromat. So, um, you know, it, it's a big deal when you when you live in these compact and tight spaces to not feel cluttered or disorganized or living in your own filth. Um, and uh, I think my wife was really great at, at figuring out how to maximize all of the space and every place has a purpose. So that that's the big thing that, that I'd encourage people is. Um, just do your homework on your space that you're, you're building on and really look how you can maximize every inch because it's so important to not feel claustrophobic or cluttered or crammed or, you know, living in your own, uh, your own stuff. You're in an urban area and it's not where, a place where you've got friends and family and you want to stay there for several days or more. How do you get around? Yeah. you don't want to be moving that bus everywhere, right? I mean, if you can, you'd like to be able to do some other. For sure. Uh, great question. So um, our bus is great, though, because at 30 feet, it's pretty maneuverable. We're able to get in and out of mo most spaces. I obviously do my, my homework on Google Earth and see if certain parking lots will support us or if we're going to trek down a road or something. But urban environments do present, um, I'd say, the most challenging aspect, especially on the East Coast. Um, where, you know, this kind of nomadic lifestyle is not as um, widely accepted as it is in the, the western part of the country. Um, parking at a Walmart is always an option. Some Walmarts allow it, some don't. That's a great resource to have. You have Walmart, you have Cracker Barrel, um, Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops, uh, Camping Worlds. Sometimes you get away at Home Depot or Lowe's, depending on the store manager. Um, but we have a lot of friends uh, and they have big buses and they normally will park it at a Walmart or park it at a boat ramp. That's a good one too because you see a lot of large vehicles left at boat ramps as long as there's obviously no restrictions on having to have a trailer or, or what it is. Um, and then biking, walking, using public transportation if you are in a, a very urban area. Uh, we unfortunately had our bike stolen out in color, uh, California two years ago in San Diego, so that was kind of a bummer for us, especially because it had the kids' car seat on it. Um, Luna would ride in the front with me all the time. Um, there's probably some cool pictures in, in the beginning when we were in the van, but um, generally we walk, we, uh, we hop in the stroller, or we kind of do the bus tour thing, you know? The, if we're in a cool state park, we'll let Luna out of her car seat because the roads are um, you know, generally safe, and she'll kind of come up to the front and we'll talk about what we see or what we're gonna do or what, you know, this park has to offer or what natural um, things we might see, what animals we might see in this area. Luna's a big, big uh, nature advocate. So we, we really like to uh, indulge her passions there. So going to parks and, and you know, we tend not to be in super urban areas really. I mean, um, for packages or if there's business to be done, something like that. But for the most part, we prefer more of the, uh, the moderately sized, um, you know, towns and villages and, and smaller places. Tell us about a typical day on the road. You want to get from point A to point B, and it's a thousand miles from point A to point B. You got two little girls now, and um, tell us what a day would be like on the road. Absolutely. So let's say we're uh, we're doing a, a leg from uh, I don't know Denver to uh, Grand Canyon. That's probably close to a thousand miles. I would I would say. Um, yep. In that but, range. Morning. Uh, get breakfast together. Get the girls ready. 
generally we like to, to be near a playground um, so Luna can get out any of her energy before a, a drive. Um, we'd probably, I'd say drive about 11 o'clock, go till one or two in the afternoon if the girls could make it. Capri's great. She sleeps in the car. So that's, that's not a worry at this age. Luna, we have to keep a little more entertained. Uh, we'd probably set up shop, lunchtime, hang out, do more playground or find a cool nature area or a body of water. Uh, and then we'd stay there until the duration of, I'd say, early bedtime for the girls. We'd do dinner. Um, we'd get everything ready. And then instead of them going down in their beds, they'd go down in their car seats. And I would proceed to drive as much as I could at night. Yeah. Yeah, I Very mean, cool. That's and you're young. You're yep. young. So you can do that. <laughs> um, I can't do that anymore. I used to. That, that would be identically. We have four kids. And again, we've, like I said, we've had motorhomes, trailers, you name it, since they were all little babies. We have a horrible video that my wife would point to where um, I had totally accidentally dropped a one-year-old on her head out of the door of the van as I was watching the camera <laughs> on a video. And she's fine. Um, she's done just really well. You know, they, they were, <laughs> she didn't even hardly cry. But um, but it was embarrassing to me. Um, but we do the same. Did the, we even still today take advantage of the day to like enjoy the kids and the life, and then then drive at night. Um, yeah, so how far would you how far would you really try to get in a night if you could? Um, I've gone like some crazy nights before where I, I've I've banged out like a like a good seven hours of like night driving. You know from. I don't know, let's say six to three in the morning or something like that. But generally, we'll, we'll probably go, uh, I don't know, 200 miles. So that's about four hours of driving. You know, that's that's a solid What's night. What's your fuel capacity? What's uh, your fuel tank? Five, five gallons. Say it again. You broke up just a little. Sixty-five gallons at eight miles to the tank. So we're getting about 500 miles to the tank, which is great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can pretty good. Does Gianna drive much at night? Yeah, no. <laughs> she knows how to drive the bus, and she's pretty comfortable with it, going from point A to point B if anything happens. Um, but I'm I'm the captain of the ship. I was going to say, I'm going to make a guess. <laughs> she probably would love to do it more. You want to be in control on the driving side, which is, that's me again. So. <laughs> Same time. We're able to get a lot of work done when we drive because if Capri's sleeping, uh, we can entertain Luna with some books or toys or arts and crafts or something like that. Where, you know, Gianna's then able to free up that time as as work time. So I drive, I get us to point A, point B. The kids are occupied, either sleeping or, or doing their kind of toy thing, and then she's able to take that time and turn it into productivity, which is massive for for being able to work online and sustain this lifestyle and not have to you know clock in nine to five. And we have eight minutes left. Arib or Mark, if there's any questions, come on, guys out there. I don't think I've asked everything that's relevant. Um, tell us about how you make a living. How do you stay alive out there on the road? When we sold the house uh, and everything, that money went into the van build. I mean, that you know, $50,000 I was talking about was all of our money. Um, we went on the road with a small savings and soon realized that um, you got to hustle. You got to figure it out. Uh, money really doesn't grow on trees. And we began um, breaking into, you know, um, marketing using our social media platform, which was huge. Um, 
you know, endorsing products that align with this lifestyle and align with us and that we really use on a day-to-day -day basis. And then two, we, um, we saw a need for families and people wanting to know really what this lifestyle is like, like how you and I are talking right now um, and how it kind of would, would pertain to them. So we have um, on the road uh, consulting. We have on the road lifestyle consulting where we talk to anyone from, from single men, women, to families, to divorcees, to looking to live this lifestyle. What does it take to build a van, a bus? What does it take to source one? If I already want to source one, what needs work best for me? What are your power needs? What are your water needs? Um, is this going to be a weekend warrior thing? Are you going to live full time? Um, how do I keep an intimate relationship with my wife? How do you do it with kids? So we we kind of have a wide gamut of, of, you know, a no holds bar style. Ask us anything you want about this lifestyle. We're going to not sugarcoat it and tell you because, um, you know, you could pay us and we could save you a lot of money and headache uh, just by getting it out of the way, you know? By the way, stay on this slide. Stay right here, Mark. I'll read for a while. Um, this is where on their website, everybody, that you could you could engage in some of that consulting. You can see there's a click here button right there. Um, boy, I'll tell you, with just spending an hour here, I'm going to say ultimately we're going to highly endorse um, everybody to get a hold of you guys if they've got questions in this area and, and be able to help you if, if they can. Um, I don't know these as much, but my wife had some relationships with some other um, 365 RVers that make their money in a variety of ways on the road. You probably know some of them already, but I think I'm going to make sure I ask her and get you their names and get them get them connected with you. Just so you might be able to network and find some things you could help yeah. each other with. Um, yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, our end goal really is to, um, you know, we eventually want to settle down on a small piece of property and kind of obviously homestead, but we also want to create kind of like a haven for other people um, living uh, this lifestyle, almost like an oasis. You know, we, we like the, the center of the country a lot, um, Colorado, Arizona, that kind of area. And we, we want to be um, a big resource for people and families and a place where people are like, wow, that's a destination. We want to go. We want to talk to them. We want to um, you know, I was in hospitality for a long time. So for me, the joy of people having, you know, a great time, a great meal, a great experience far outweighs that of, of material things mostly. So I want to give people um, a great opportunity to kind of see what it's like to live this lifestyle and see, um, you know, firsthand what, what you can do when you uh, follow your dreams. Awesome. Well, let's... Um... Arie, Mark, any other questions out there from our audience? Because I want to let Jake spend a few minutes just sort of summarizing, giving any other guidance he'd like to I, give. You guys seen it? Yeah, I have two questions here. I have two questions here from Sierra. And she's asking, Jake, uh, what kind of waste disposal do you use while traveling? Yeah, uh, so we use a composting toilet for all of our human, you know, personal waste. Um, and then a gray tank for all of our like waterways. Um, trash cans are plenty. Um, we always try and recycle if we're in an area that recycles. If not, um, then you know we're kind of stuck with that. But we actually encourage trash pickup. Uh, so wherever we go, we like to beautify a spot. So spend 10, 15 minutes to pick up the spot while you're there. Um, and it really makes a difference and, and it makes an impact on other people when they see you caring about a spot. Even if you don't live there, I have Florida tags. I'm in Wisconsin and I'm, I'm picking up trash at the park. Um, it kind of stimulates something inside of them to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pick up trash today. 
or if everybody were to pick up one piece of trash today, I mean, imagine what the world would be. So um, waste disposal on the road, kind of got off track, but we use uh, garbage cans, recycling centers, and um, any place that's not nature. <laughs> okay. By the way, our wind is just starting. That those hurricane kind of winds. I don't have my weather station in my studio here, but I'm guessing we're having some 50 plus mile an hour stuff right now. And it, it just gets distracting. I, I hear it in the background. But um, what else? What's the other question you have there, Arif? By yes, the way, the Sierra, one. I think, unless it's a different Sierra, is one of my staff people. And we're, we're going to have a staff call that follows this. So great question, Sierra. And if it's a different Sierra, um, thank you. That's a great question. That's I mean, ours. What do you have? <laughs> okay, the next one is, uh, how do you make money on the road? We make oh, money. I think you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, keep going. If you give some other thoughts, but anyway. Yeah, just um, being resourceful. If you have a passion, if you have a hobby, if you're good at something, um, one, if you're really good at something, never do it for free. And two, learn how you can monetize your passions into you know, a, a lifestyle. I love motivating and talking with people. My ultimate goal is to be a hospitality motivational speaker, um, to go into these places who are seasonal restaurants, country clubs, and really amp people up and, and know that what they're doing is an important job, and two, make them proud of what they do. You have to be prideful in what you do. Um, there's something to be said about taking taking a job and, and seeing it through. Um, unless you test yourself and you see uh, something all the way through till the end, you're, you're never really going to know your full potential and capabilities. So... You know, in that financial aspect, I didn't know how I was going to make money. I, I knew that I had a family and I needed to provide for them, and I was going to find a way come hell or high water. So getting out there and, and just doing what you love, even if you don't think you could make money. I never thought I could make money for talking to people on the phone and consulting with them and giving them advice on how to run their lives and, and giving them my expertise, which I never thought was an expertise. But I'm out here. I'm doing something. I have this firsthand knowledge. And and that's value. Put value on your craft. If you're a woodworker, if you're a, a bartender, if you're a musician, if you're a gardener, put value to your craft. Um, because there's always somebody who wants to listen to a passionate person. Um, there's nothing more amazing than hearing an orator speak and captivate you and, and you get chills and it makes you want to, it compels you to go out and do something. So I challenge everybody to find something that you love and to make $1 off of it. And then see how you can make $2. And then see how you can make $1,000. And then you've made a living. You've made an income. And you're supporting your family with what you love to do. And there's no better, more joyous feeling in the entire world than waking up in the morning and, and literally being happy to go. About how many hours of consulting do you think you'll do in January um, um, based on history? And how much of that do you do versus what Gianna does? Uh, Gianna does a lot more design questions, and she does a lot more moms that call in about family stuff. Um, so women have a lot more questions that I'm just not able to, to touch on from my male perspective. Um, I'd like to say that I probably, I'd like to be in the, uh, I'd probably say 200 hour uh, mark this month. Um, things are really picking up, especially, you know, I, I don't like to, to use other people's misfortunes, but um, this COVID thing has really sparked people's interest to live nomadically, live more independently, and live more purposefully. Um, so I've had a lot of calls from fathers, um, businessmen, people really engaged in the in the business world, making you know large sums of money that are looking to to leave that behind and and start living, start knowing what it's like to see where your food comes from, to know what's going into your body, to hike, to 
to get out in nature, to, to smell what the sun smells like when it rises over the mountains in Utah near a waterfall. I mean, indescribable things. So um, I'd, like to be, I'd like to be on a call uh, every day, five hours a day for the entire month, helping people out and just making them realize whatever dreams they have, that they're easy and they can come true. So 200, I mean, that's, again, divided by 30, um, that's seven hours a day. That You're probably reaching about the max of what you want to be doing. Yeah, yeah, and I've kind of right. been looking at those numbers, and, and uh, I like to set high goals. So that's that's kind of where I want to be. I mean, you know, if, if we offer half an hour and, and hour sessions, if you find me on Instagram and you say, hey, I got 10 bucks, let's talk for a half an hour, I'm yours. You know, I want to help people. It's not about the money for me. It's about helping people. So if you're watching this and you just need to talk to somebody, DM me. I got no problem. We answer everybody's messages. Um, nobody's too small. You respect everyone. The janitor, the CEO, the, the car wash, the McDonald's employee, the, the dentist, the awesome. doctor. Everyone deserves respect. Very cool. I have one question. Last thoughts from you? Yeah, oh, you have, have another one. question? Go ahead, Reese. Yes, this is, I think, the last one. Who manages your, like, social media? You guys have immensely nice following and everything. So uh, who manages that, you or Gianna? We both do it. Gianna is more of the, the uh, curator of it, but in terms of management, answering questions, DMs, um, reaching out to different brands, we both handle that. But she makes everything look aesthetically beautiful, all that. Uh, thumbnails and all that work is all hers. So she does uh, uh, consulting for social media as well. That's one of her niche things where she said, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I grew our channel and and uh, I want to help people out. So she does social media branding as well. If you're looking to work with brands, uh, you want to break out and start getting your foot in the door with certain companies, definitely reach out to her. She would love to help you guys out. Awesome. Okay. Last thoughts from you, because I want to be real respectful of your time. I just want to thank you for this opportunity to get on here and, and speak on your platform. And again, I want, to, I want to look everybody dead square in their eyes and tell them that there is nothing you cannot achieve with hard work and desire. Um, start believing. Start putting positive energy out in the world. Start realizing that the things that happen to you are under your control. You know, when my daughter cries and screams and I get upset, I thank the world for giving me an opportunity to get closer with my daughter. I'm able to calm her down. I'm able to figure it out. Thank the world for your problems, for getting closer and deeper and more in tune with yourself. Thank the world for those misfortunes because they're making you stronger and they're making who you are today. Thank you, Wayne. Well, thank you, Jake. Thanks, Gianna, for us in the background and, and Luna. And um, and, and everybody in your family, because I know you're close, but we saw some elevators to that. Mark, thank you. Areed, thank you. Audience, thank you. Uh, we'll have a lot of people watching replays, way more than we ever did live. We're going we're gonna to take it out, everybody. Mark, why don't you take us out? Jake, amazing. Having an awesome day. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Have a great one. It was a pleasure being here. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT community podcast.